Amen. Children's Church, you get to stay in here today. Sorry. <laughs> Man. Sorry, just don't worry, I got jokes, bro. I got jokes. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Oh, wow. Y'all are joyful for about that? Yeah, yeah. All right. Big, big contrast for Mother's Day, right? Dads, I mean, you know, but we expect that. Dads, you know, that's just what dads do. Moms now, mom goes missing. We're all in a wreck. We're all in trouble, you know. But dads, eh, we're all good. Um, so, uh, just by way of recap, again, thank you for all the prayers. Great week with the young folks. I, I know many of you guys followed us online and uh, I promise you there were a lot of spiritual moments, but you know, you don't take the pictures a whole lot during the spiritual moments. It's a lot easier during the fun times, but uh, some great, great lessons. We look forward to kind of giving you a recap, but just, just curious, uh, young folks, help me out, just so they'll know that we learned some, some we're going to give you the overview of the week in our spiritual lessons, all right? Everybody hold up your hand like this, hands up, all right. What is the first lesson we talked about? God. What was the second lesson we talked about? Man. What was the third lesson we talked about? Jesus. What was the fourth lesson we talked about? The cross. And bring it home, what was the last thing we talked about? Resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah, now put those hands together. That was good, see? They did learn something. And they'll remember that because wherever they go, their hands go. And you can even jazz it up a little, right? And have jazz hands. There you go, all right. So that was our week in review. A great week. Again, thank you for all the leaders, everybody. Uh, Pastor Mark, not a super job as always. Papa Smurf over there. And uh, so that was for you ladies. And uh, anyway, good, good times, good stuff. So today we're going to talk about for Father's Day, a Father's Day message, six characteristics of a godly dad. And I thought, you know, it's Father's Day. We're going to do a, a thematic message but we need to do it from something we've already been in. And so we're going to stay in the book of Philippians. We're just going to go back in time to Philippians chapter 2. So if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 19 through 30. Now this won't be an in-depth contextual study like we would normally do because it's a topical study. So if you want the context of the passage, you want the historical narrative, the, the, the happening of, of what's going on in this text, go back and listen to the message on Philippians 2. But what I want to do today is just sort of draw from this some spiritual application, some things that we can learn from uh, the examples that we find here in the passage. But before we do, as is tradition, I got dad jokes. Because they are so bad, they can only be told by dad. So here we go. Father's Day jokes. Um, these are some of the top, uh, top jokes of 2021 for dads. Here we go. My landlord texted saying, we need to meet up. And talk about how high my heating bill is. I replied, sure. My door is always open. <laughs> anyway. I think the girl at the airline check-in just threatened me. She looked me dead in the eye and said, window or aisle? I laughed in her face and replied, window or you'll what? Some of you got to replay that one. Window or aisle? All right. They're dad jokes, guys. Got to love them. My dad, my dad died 
when we couldn't remember his blood type. My dad died when we couldn't remember his blood type. As he died, he kept insisting, be positive, be positive. But it's, it's hard without him. All right, how about this? How do you get a farm girl to marry you? First, a tractor. <laughs> Thank you, Ivy. <laughs> I told my daughter, go to bed. The cows are sleeping in the field. She said, what's that got to do with anything? I said, that means it's pasture bedtime. The day I turned 42, my daughter walked up to me and said, happy, and started the timer on her watch. After a long silence, she said, 42nd birthday. I was so proud. The day I turned 40, anyway, okay. I caught my son, Luke, chewing on electrical cords. So I had to ground him. He's doing better currently and now conducting himself properly. <laughs> yes. Good one. Did you hear about the man who broke up with his girlfriend of five years because he found out she was a communist? He should have known there were red flags everywhere. <laughs> All right, I got three more. Hang in there, guys. We're getting there. All right, we just bought our new dream house and I was showing our daughter around the first time, she asked excitedly, what's upstairs? I chuckled and replied, ah, oh, sweeties, stairs don't talk. What's upstairs? Anyway. All right, I went to my doctor today and told him I was having problems with my hearing. He asked, can you describe the symptoms? I replied, sure. They're yellow, Homer's fat, and Marge has blue hair. Symptoms. symptoms. Anyway, thank you, sir. All right, here we go. I sat down for dinner at a restaurant, and the waiter asked me, do you want to hear today's special? I said, yes, please. So he replied, no problem, sir. Today is special. And guys, guess what? It is special because it's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day again to all my fathers in the house. All right, that's enough of the jokes. We gone. We done. All right. All right. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Carl. All right. There's some material, dads, for you. All right. So, um, it is Father's Day. And uh, I, want, I want to introduce you. This was my dad. That's, that's my dad up there. I love my dad. I miss my dad. And a lot of you miss your dads. A lot of your dads aren't with you anymore. Huh? And uh, um, miss, miss my dad. That's, that's Jesse Varner, that's my pop, which I found out, some of you saw online, I put up online, it was really cool. I, I found like a yearbook site where you can like put in any school and you can find like yearbooks that have been shared online. And I didn't realize this, but I just found this out, that my dad was like the president of the Folk Music Club. I'm like, that's kind of cool, man. I didn't know that about my daddy. So it was kind of, there was this picture, you know, and the guys are standing there with the banjos and the guitars. And so, uh, but anyway... That, that's Jesse Bonner. I asked my mom, and my mom's probably watching. Mom, thank you for sending me pictures, though they were about a day late. <laughs> I said, Mom, I'm working on my sermon. Can you send me some extra photos of Dad? And, um, uh, but anyway, she did. She sent me. She's, Randy, she's like you. I mean, when Mom asks her for pictures, she gives a photo dump. I mean, it's like, <laughs> wow, I'm sure I can get through 300 of these in no time. But anyway, 
but uh, yeah, so she sent me a bunch of pics and, and super, super thankful for that. You know, when we were at the um, beach with the young folks, um, I had a moment. You know how it is. Those of you who've lost a parent, a loved one, sometimes you have those moments, right? You go into a room, you go into a place, there's just something about it. It sort of brings some memories, brings some thoughts. And uh, we went to the water park. I didn't tell anybody this. This is the first time I'm sharing this. Um, but we went to a water park there at Emerald Isle, and they still had that old school water slide. You remember the old school water slides where they're actually in the dirt and they build up the banks and they're concrete, you know, because the most stuff now is, you know, like plastic, and, but these were those old school concrete, right? And that you could, you know, sometimes you're not careful, you go home with rash because, you know, it's like scratch you up. But uh, so... That reminded me of the last time that, uh, well, actually, it was, it, it was the first time that I remember my dad um, taking me and my brother to a water slide at Myrtle Beach. And this was back in the day, and this, I'm, this is back, you know, in the 70s when we went. And we'd always stay at the Blue Fountain Inn. I mean, you know, we, we were poor. We couldn't stay Oceanside. We had to be a block away, you know. So we were at the Blue Fountain Inn. That was our go-to place. Um, and so, anyways, there was this brand new water park, and I mean, it was huge. And this is right, right when they, near the end of the 70s, when they're starting to make, they had the fake rocks, you know, and it's like, this stuff's like a big mountain. It's like, whoa, that was the coolest thing. It was like all these lights, bells, and whistles. And uh, we were begging, Dad, let's go to that one. But, you know, that one's like three times the price. You know, Dad wants to take us to the old aqua one that's, you know, just sort of blue and in the ground and dirt. So we go, and, um, uh, and which was fine. But I'll never forget we got up to the top of the mountain and we started to step into the water slide and my dad's feet just went right out from under him and he hit his head on the steps of the concrete. And uh, he got up and it was bleeding. And um, he was clearly shaken up. And you know, when you're a kid, man, your dad's Superman. Like, you know, your dad's everything. That was the first time we saw our dad weak, like, like hurt, like injured, like he's not Superman. And I remember him saying, you know, guys, y'all, y'all stay and play. I'm not feeling good. I'm going I'm to go back to the room. And he left. And I remember just sort of a fearful feeling in my heart as a child, like for, for once I wasn't really safe, you know, like my protector, my daddy is, can be hurt, can be injured. And of course, you know, that, that sort of opens up a, a journey into adulthood, doesn't it, man? I mean, because we start to figure out after a while that our dads aren't superheroes. They're real humans. They're real men. Um, they hurt. Uh, they can be injured. Uh, and, and, and so uh, that was the first, like, sobering moment of, of the realization about my dad in that he was not a superhero. Now, my dad's pretty special. But um, I know that um, when he went, um, when he passed, um, that's, a, that's a moment uh, of adulting that many of you have had that passage. You've gone through that. That's a tough growing up moment, isn't it? And it doesn't matter how old you are. Uh, whether you're young, middle age, or you're old, there's something about that. Well, if there's one thing I've learned through the journey thus far is that there is a dad who is a superhero, and it's our Heavenly Father.
and he can't be injured. And yeah, I'm thankful for the dads he gives us in our life because I think we're supposed to feel that way. I think we're supposed to feel in those early childhood days of, that nothing can injure them. They're superheroes. They protect us. They provide for us. They're, they love us. Because I think that's the glimpse of what God intended for the family. Because he wants us to see that because in seeing that, we get a small glimpse of our Heavenly Father. And for some of you, maybe you didn't have that image of a dad. Maybe your dad wasn't a protector. Maybe he wasn't a good provider. Maybe he wasn't a good or godly example to you. Then I want to really encourage you today. Shift your eyes from that frail, weak, human father. And put your eyes on the eternal father. Who loves you. Who will never leave you and never forsake you. You cannot be harmed. And then in the eyes of eternity, He is an eternal Father who can eternally protect you. And so that's where I want us to shift today as we look at the characteristics of earthly men. Because my dad's an earthly man. He had his weaknesses, right? He had his frailties. But there were qualities and characteristics that I saw in my dad, that I see in my mom, that I see in others around me that are glimpses that we're supposed to see. And so that's what I want to draw from today as we look into the Scriptures, as we look into the passages of some examples of some godly men that I believe are good representations of godly dads. And I hope, men, for those of us in here that are dads, that we'll take away from this those spiritual applications to be godly men. And ladies as well, that you can see the characteristics that are found in these examples in Scripture that will challenge us to be who we are to be. With that said, if you'll look in Philippians 2, verses 19 through 30, we'll begin our reading. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for their work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Father, I pray this morning that as we look into these passages of Scripture and we just sort of 
lightly touch on some of the characteristics we see in the examples here on the pages that as individuals we'll dig a little deeper, we'll look beyond the surface level. And just as is illustrated with uh, the story of my dad that uh, Lord, uh, those glimpses of goodness are glimpses of you. And Lord, may we see that in the pages of Scripture. And may we recognize that those are extensions of who you are. And you are a good, good Father. And that is who you are. And we thank you, Lord, as you meet with us today. May our hearts be lifted and encouraged in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see six characteristics of a godly man here in this passage. Uh, there's probably a lot more, but these are just the ones that uh, stood out we're going to speak about today. And we'll move kind of quickly because there are several things I do want to try and hit on and cover on this Father's Day. So the first thing we notice here is caring. Um, one of the characteristics of a godly dad is that they are caring. You'll notice here in Philippians 2, 20 and 21, not only were, there, uh, uh, were they concerned and caring with their own, but their cares and concerns were for all things in Christ. Notice if you would, look at the passage again closely. So you see here in verse 20, For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. You know, that's hard to find today, isn't it? We live in the me society, right? The iPhone society. The me, have it your way. You know, it's all about you. But yet one of the characteristics as followers of Christ is that we should esteem others greater than self. Paul knew in sending uh, back to them some uh, Timothy. He was going to go there to minister to them because Timothy was the kind of person that uh, was not about self only. He noticed that he was like-minded in that he had genuine care for others, specifically here the Philippian believers. And so he knew that in sending him that he would not only look out for his own interests, which was proving to be the case of those around him, but those of Jesus Christ. See, Timothy was concerned with the things of Christ. Dad, you want to be a godly dad? There's your answer. Characteristic number one, be caring. But most importantly, care about the things of Christ. Do you care about the things of Christ? I mean, is that at the forefront of your daily living? You're concerned about the things of Christ. Timothy was a good example here in the passage of Scripture. We also see character. Notice if you would here uh, in the following uh, verses, in verse 22, we see character. In other words, the person's willing to serve consistently, proven, which means tested over time. And here again, we see the focus is serving in the gospel. Read if you would, Philippians 2. 22. Paul says, but you know his proven character because he served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Consistency. We're doing the same thing behind closed doors that we're doing out in the open. Is that the character that represents you? 
Are there secret sins that uh, we, we want to hide away in hopes that no one knows and we keep them kind of covered? Guys, there's nothing covered in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. He sees and knows all things to the depths of our hearts. And so, one of the godly characteristics of a dad, and we find here again in these men, whether it be Timothy or Epaphroditus, the men that we'll see in this section of Scripture, these are men who displayed godly character. And notice again, what is the focus? The focus was in the serving of others in the gospel. You know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel. How does a a son serve with a dad, right? Right alongside him. I I remember some of my early jobs. Obviously, my dad was in construction all his life. I mean, it didn't matter if it was a shopping center. It didn't matter if it was a post office, an apartment complex. It didn't matter whatever size, a home, small, big, or large. It didn't matter. My dad could build it. And uh, he he worked for uh, many companies. I know uh, Mr. M.B. Gentry, this is kind of crazy, Mr. M.B. Gentry, and my dad worked for the same company at the same time, Myrick Construction. And sometimes I wonder, i got to think they probably crossed paths. Kind of cool to think about. But many companies my dad worked for, and he could build stuff. And I remember a lot of times in the summer, I'd go to work with my dad. Now look, my dad... I, I, I know there's one area I disappointed my dad deeply. All right, there's a lot of areas I disappointed my dad deeply in. But one of them was I wanted nothing to do with my dad's profession because I wanted to make my own path in life, right? I mean, isn't that typical rebellious child you know, syndrome? You know? But my dad was trying to teach me. And he'd always, you know, son, you need to learn every aspect of this, of this, uh, this job location. So I'm starting you on the bottom. I'm, you're going to be sweeping, you're going to be digging ditches, you're going to be doing the grunt work. But that's because I want you to learn every aspect. And you work hard and I'll work you up. And I wanted nothing to do with it. Now, I'm, as an older, mature, uh, when I became a born-again believer, huh, eyes opened up. <laughs> I actually began to understand life a little bit better. I wish I could go back and pay attention to what my dad was trying to teach me. Because I'm going to tell you, when home repairs go out now and stuff's around the house is broke, man, I know y'all think I like calling y'all, but I hate having to call y'all. Hey, brother, can you come help me put in some subflooring <laughs> or whatever the case, right? But I am thankful for YouTube. It's helping me. I'm, I'm getting there. Dad would be proud on that, I guess. I'm actually listening now. But a, a son works alongside his father. And I used to work many of summers alongside uh, my dad. And again, what we should be doing in this situation, and I think Paul's conveying here, was that he was there. He could count on him. He was always with him. And he became proven in his work ethic. He became proven in his character. Dads, we're going to be a godly dad. That's kind of how we need to be serving for the cause of Christ in the gospel. How are we doing in serving in the gospel? Because I believe that's what is a characteristic of a godly dad. We also see here um, in Proverbs 10, 9, he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his way will become known. Again, guys, character is doing what's right when no one's looking. 
And when we know Christ and we recognize that our Heavenly Father is always looking, then why would we not live out a life that's honoring and pleasing to our Lord and Savior? Because nothing escapes His sight. And so, I should want to serve alongside my Heavenly Father daily in doing His will, which is sharing the good news with others. So, character. We also see cooperation here. Uh, notice, if you would, in the text, when it comes to cooperation, Philippians 2, 25. He continues on down. I'll just read the, the context here. Uh, he says, Therefore I hope to send him soon. As I, I, uh, in verse 23, I see how things go with me, and I'm convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. Verse 25, But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow co-worker, fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. One of the characteristics of uh, cooperation, men who put cooperation before competition. Now look, I'm a competitor. I love competition, right? Nothing wrong with competition in the right context. But when it comes to the gospel, there should not be competition. There should be cooperation. One of the things uh, uh, Andrew and I hope to do um, with uh, this field of dreams uh, he and I, and you guys will remember, uh, David O'Hara, we used to, for, for years, we, we served out at New Hope on the Saturday morning, um, upward flag football, and faithfully out there, and great times uh, out there coaching those kids together. And so we owe a lot to them. They helped us in understanding uh, what this might look like, and that's going to impact how we do our sports out here. And so one of the things that Andrew and I have been working on is getting together with those men that helped organize that to, number one, say thank you and show our appreciation. We're not wanting to compete on Saturday mornings by taking the kids that are out there and hopefully they come over here. No, in fact, what we're hoping to do is, is learn what we learned there, but let that be a feeder program. And so that's why we're going to focus on, when it comes to the field of dreams, more of a middle school and high school for our flag football. Because that only goes up to middle school. And even when we were there, they extended it. I mean, it used to be like 6th, 7th grade, and then they said, we'll push it to 8th grade. And so, and so we're going to want to meet with them. Pray for that this week, because I, again, I want this to be a cooperation of sorts. And one of the things, if this is going to happen, we're going to need cooperation with other churches in our community to help coach, to help be out there, to bring their kids. And we're going to encourage them to use this as a ministry for your church to reach your children. And we'll just provide you the opportunity to come out here on Saturdays in a safe place to play, and most importantly, a place to hear the gospel. Right? And so, thankful for the cooperation of ministry. And so, men who put, cooper, uh, put cooperation before competition, these are co-laborers. This is what Epaphroditus was. He's a co-laborer. He's working alongside you, not against you. The idea is a, a public minister, a servant of the state, a minister, a servant. And that's what we're to be, men, dads. We're to be servants. If we're going to be a godly dad, we need to learn to serve alongside one another. And that's an important quality, an important characteristic. We also see commitment. Notice, men who display a love for the community of believers. Men who put Christ before comfort. Men who put Christ before comfort. 
How's that going? You know, we, we get taught, men, the old John Wayne mentality. Men don't cry. Suck it up, buttercup. Right? That was not a reference to you, Mark Barnett, if you're watching. But men don't cry, right? That, that's kind of the, the idea. Uh, I got news for you. The manliest man to ever walk the earth wept. His name was Jesus. So I dare to differ. Being someone who is compassionate and committed and cares for others and has that kind of character, that's a godly man. And especially men who put Christ first. Man, if there's one piece of advice I can give you, and it's oftentimes what we give our, our, our young married couples when they're going through premarital counseling, which, by the way, you might not want to sit over in this section if you're single because might, you might get tainted and get married. There's a bunch of newlyweds over that way. So God have all these newlyweds back in this section. Young married folks back there. I don't blame you, Tommy. Tammy, I'd hang out over there too. You know, keep the fire going. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, but commitment. You know, this idea of we, we should be committed, uh, putting Christ first. But I say Matthew 6.33 to these young couples. Seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. These things will be added unto you. God makes us a promise in that. He was sending out His disciples and He said, Look, if you'll honor me first, if you'll make me center of your life, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the bills getting paid. Don't worry about what clothes you're going to wear. I'll provide those things. Trust me. Put me first. And that's a promise you can stand on. And so I encourage you, whoever you are, whether you're newly married or been married uh, uh, you know, for years, keep Christ first. That commitment is important. And we see this here in verses 25 and 28. Again, sending Epaphroditus, co-labor, verse 26, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, I'm very eager to send him, so that you may rejoice when you see him again, and I may be less anxious. Epaphroditus was committed. He was so committed to the cause of Christ that he was willing to travel to where Paul was in prison, he was willing to go and minister to him, even to the point that he fell sick and was about to die. And he still wanted to stay. He still wanted to go. He didn't use this as an excuse to say, oh, you know what, well, since I've got this sickness, I, I, I guess I should probably stay home. No, he was committed. Nothing was going to stop him. And guys, I, I, I think we in the American church were so weak when we look at the Examples of, of, of times gone by, when we look at the examples of even modern day martyrs who are dying and are Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, the things that they suffer and go through, and we ain't showing up for church if the air conditioner breaks. I'm just being real. Man, we've got to go back to commitment. It is like a marriage, for better, for worse. In sickness and in health. These are the kind of commitments that when we said I do to Christ Jesus, those are the commitments. And whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley, we need to be faithfully committed to the cause of Christ in our daily living. And sometimes that means 
dying to self for the cause of Christ. Through commitment. And then we see courage. Courage. This is a godly quality as well. A godly characteristic uh, of, of fathers and men. Uh, and should be a marking for all of us. These are men who serve sacrificially for the cause of Christ. Men who put service before security. Verse 29, Therefore welcome him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in honor. Again, what man is he describing? He's describing Epaphroditus who was willing to risk his life to minister. To share the gospel. That's the level of commitment. That's the level of courage God is looking for in a godly man. Because he came close to death, notice again, for the work of Christ. Risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Think about Epaphroditus, man. I'm going to call us out for a second, man. Epaphroditus was willing to die for the sake of Christ. And we can't even talk about Jesus at work. Epaphroditus is in his sickness, willing to still faithfully be committed to the cause of Christ, and we can't even bring up the name of Jesus in a conversation with our friends. Where are the godly characteristics that should be marking us as men of God, separated unto the cause of Christ. That takes courage. Sometimes I think it's easier for some of us men to take the bullet for our family than it is to actually stand up for Jesus. When we think courage, we often think of the rescue. And that's a part of the courage. Uh, Junior, if you would, I want to cue up that video clip. I want you to... Watch this story. And before you play it, let me give you the backdrop. So there's an accident on a bridge in Maryland. And there's a chain reaction crash. And this car, it's like a Hollywood movie. True story though. This car is hanging over the edge, upside down on the bridge, getting ready to teeter off. But what happened in the violent thrust of the accident is that a baby... A toddler in a car seat is ejected through the window in the car seat and goes over the bridge into the water down below. Some of you may have heard this story. This just happened in May of this year. And the, the onlookers go and they see, and there's the baby literally floating, strapped into the car seat down below, 30-some feet down below off the bridge in the water when all of a sudden the car seat tips over so that the baby's now face, face down in the water. Cue the video. I saw the car seat uh, and some other items, and then about six feet away from the car seat was a little girl. She was on her back, uh, completely floating, uh, head completely out of the water. Arms moving, legs kicking, uh, and a little, a little contrast. Uh, so at that point, I uh, I looked around for some for some boats. Uh, I figured there had to be a boat nearby. Uh, we boat in that water all the time. 
so I looked around and as luck would have, there were no boats uh, either in front of me or behind me. So then I heard Abe call my name. So I looked over at Abe and I said, just stay there, don't move. And when I looked out of the water, by that time she had flipped over on her stomach. And her face was in the water. So uh, <clears throat> at that point, I took off my shoes, which I'm still not sure why, but I uh, threw my legs over, hooked my arms around the back, and pressed my feet against because there was a pillar directly below me, and just looked over my daughter and said, grab the first fire, firefighter or police officer you see, and then we pushed off. Uh, when I hit, I hit like feet first, knees, and then arms, uh, and was fine. Uh, I popped up, swam over to the girl, lifted her out of the water, and looked at her. Her mouth was open, her eyes were semi-open, and then I uh, put her against my shoulder very high and aggressively patted her on the back. And within seconds, she spit up uh, a bunch of water, a lot of water, and then uh, started coughing and then took a deep breath. And I've always, like, not seen, but like on videos online and stuff, I've seen people jump off a bridge and they die. So that was my first instinct, and probably the scariest part of my life, seeing my dad jump off the bridge. So, okay. So the best part was probably when you then saw him swimming over towards the bridge. And so, so I told her and she shared with me, it wasn't like an icebreaker, it was down jumped off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how the rest of my day went. <laughs> courage. That's one picture of courage, isn't it? And that's oftentimes what we think about when we think of courage. Yes, okay, I cried too when I saw it. <laughs> As a dad, isn't that in you? I mean, you know, there, there's something about an instinct within a dad, and there's a, there's a child in need, and, and that should be in us. Let me tell you a story, another true story, and, and I hope you'll entertain the amount of time it's going to take to read this because I don't want us to miss this on this subject of courage because I'm going to read you the story of a man that I find amazingly courageous. Not only a man, but his wife, his family, the dedication, the commitment, all these qualities and characteristics that we find. What we see in this passage and the emphasis upon the cause of Christ. Some of you know the story. By the way... Uh, Mark 8.35, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. That's courage. That's courage right there. That's the definition biblically. Men, you want to be a godly man? There's the answer when it comes to courage. Die to self for the cause of Christ. 
Such a man was the man Adoniram Judson. Some of you are familiar with this story. I'm going to pick up the story. Adoniram Judson was a missionary to Burma, to what's known as Myanmar. You know our friend Jeremy Sams. He takes multiple mission trips a year, and they lead a team there into Myanmar. And it's a very dangerous area now, and has been. But Adoniram Judson went there, and then he had been there for a while, and it was around 1824 when the Burmese and British were at war. War had broke out. Now listen to this. Adoniram was a suspected spy. So he was sentenced to a long and painful torture in prison. Which again, is not uncommon when missionaries are in foreign countries and there's these kind of things going on. That's one way that these countries play their little games back and forth. And so they targeted him and as a suspected spy, sentenced him to long and painful torture in prison. For nearly two years, Adoniram would face horror and near death, merely staying alive by the goodness of God. Simultaneously, his wife petitioned relentlessly for his freedom, for his rights, and for the truth. She brought him food and water, living in a shelter right near to the death prison, while also breastfeeding the couple's newborn daughter, Maria. Anne was an emblem of hope for Adoniram. The survival rate was excruciatingly low in the death prison, yet Anne's devotion to her husband gained his survival. She was dedicated, even in her poor living conditions and facing smallpox and starvation herself. Anne kept their infant alive and went to the death prison every day to feed her husband. Anne would argue with and bribe the prison guards to assure that Adoniram would receive his small bit of nourishment. All the while, he was bound in fretters, deathly ill, and chained to a large camp with another hundred or so dying, naked prisoners. They were starving, facing disease, suffocating in the stench of decomposing flesh, and dying in the putrid living conditions. The prisoner writes, The breadth and length and depth and height of the love of Christ, if I had not felt certain that every additional trial was ordered by infinite love and mercy, I could not have survived my accumulated sufferings. Adoniram Judson. He's writing that in the midst of his situation. By the grace of God, Adoniram survived through the time of war in prison. He was led back to Anne, who was so sick, she seemed to be creeping on the doorstep of death. Having Adoniram back in her life brought her soul enough hope to carry on. The wife and mother shockingly regained enough health to travel to safety. Relocating from the capital was the safest option for her family. So they began ministry in the jungle with the Karen tribe of Burma. Yes, that's right, the Karen tribe of Burma. So anyway, all right. Shortly after, however, survival did not meet Anne so graciously again. Mrs. Judson had been warring foreign disease, fighting for her husband and daughter's lives, and for the Burmese mission, war, disease, and her husband's imprisonment had taken its toll. On October 24, 1826, Anne passed away. Her husband was left devastated. 
Adoniram was optimistic to still have his daughter Maria. Tragically to him, she died a few months after her mother. He dug both of their graves himself in Amherst, Burma. A storm was brewing in Adoniram's soul. He was grief-stricken and devastated. He had lost everything. What he did next is something to remark at. Secluding himself in a tiger-infested jungle is what Adoniram did. The man isolated himself and withdrew from all people. Adoniram solely sought the Lord, bringing along large existential questions. He pondered and sought his own purpose, the will of God, and other human realities such as death. Adoniram was looking for answers that only God could provide. Fasting for 40 days in the jungle, the gravely depressed man toiled with some of the hardest questions a man can ask God. He grieved intensely and questioned whether he had been in God's will as a missionary. He also burned all his papers that qualified him from America. Adoniram wanted nothing to do with the success of his own, but only wanted the Lord to be glorified. Justin records during this time, quote, It proves a stormy evening. And the desolation around me accords with the desolate state of my own mind where grief for the dear departed combines with sorrow for present sin. And my tears flow at the same time over the forsaken grave of my dear love and over the loathsome sepulcher of my own heart. Adoniram Judson. No Berman thought he would live through the treacherous tiger-infested jungle. His return was a miracle to all of the Burman people. His life, a testimony to the protection God offers. All were almost certain that the tigers would have devoured Adoniram. He not only overcame depression, isolation, and grief with the Lord, but also the very real danger of tigers in the jungle. Moving forward triumphantly from a season in the jungle, Judson relocated uh, Maumain, Burma in 1827. Judson's ambition to keep moving forward in his God-given mission is admirable. Evangelizing new cities and villages while traveling, traveling alone, the widowed missionary was relentless in reaching the loss. The passion still burning deep inside of him. Adoniram set out to translate the rest of the Old Testament into Burmese. Then, by 1828, he was again ministering to the Karen tribe. Almost a decade later, 1837, the man had completed the entire translation of the Bible from English to Burmese. He had also started a Burmese-English dictionary. During this decade, Adoniram reaped the good fruit of his labor. The conversion of a Karen slave named Kothabayu to Christ proved to be quite remarkable, as Kothabayu was used by God as a powerful evangelist. The conversion led hundreds of Burmans to Christ. In addition to his prosperous time, Adoniram received many young Baptists to disciple and train in Burma as missionaries. Among the newcomers was his wife-to-be. He married the recently widowed Sarah Boardman in 1834. This only added to the fruitful time in his life. She helped him much of the Burmese translations and also bore him eight children. By 1837, there were 1,144 four baptized converts in Burma. Adoniram, Sarah, and their team were holding huge gatherings for converts and for the curious. They would preach and disciple, allowing the Holy Spirit to move the hearts of the lost to the Lord's hands. This movement was a cry of victory for the kingdom of God, for the plan of salvation taking place amongst the Burmese people. Adoniram had been ill ever since his imprisonment. 
His wife Sarah was now extremely ill. Burma was swarming with dangerous, life-threatening diseases. For the first time in 33 years, Adoniram thought it wise for his first furlough. He cared deeply about the well-being of his wife, which led him to take Sarah back to America for medical attention. Sadly, on the journey at sea, she passed and was buried at St. Helena in 1845. Adoniram, returning to America, found that he was a living legend. Thousands of Americans had been praying for him all this time, and countless Christians were inspired by his work. He was famous in his home nation and had not even known it. He was not finished, even still. Adoniram laid down his life for Burma, and he intended to finish in Burma. Returning back to Burma in 1846 with his third wife, Emily Chubbuck, they continued the good work for Christ. The missionary died a slow, agonizing death at sea. He was sailing to Europe for medical attention that never came. He died with these words, The love of Christ, boundless in its breath, infinite in its length, fathomless in its depths, and measureless in its heights. In these deserts, let me labor. On these mountains, let me tell how He died, the blessed Savior, to redeem a world from hell. Adoniram Judson, 1850. Adoniram Judson was buried in the watery depths of the Bay of Bengal in 1850. That's a godly man of courage. And just like we see in these passages of Scripture, examples of men who for the cause of Christ, labor. You don't have to go to a tiger-infested jungle, but you do have to go to the tiger-infested workplace where they will bite and they will claw and they will scratch and they seek to devour you there just as well. We need more godly men of courage who will take place in the square in the community, who will stand up for the cause of Christ, who are not afraid of what others might think or what ill may come to them. We need to stand and we need to labor. We need more godly men like Adoniram, like Epaphroditus, like, uh, uh, like Timothy, like some of the ones mentioned in the text. But one of the things, guys, we must never forget is in the midst of being men of courage, we also need to be men of compassion. This is my last point. Notice if you would here. The compassion, the godly fathers demonstrate compassion for forgiveness. I'm not going to read it, but you guys know the story. There's no greater reference than the story of the prodigal son. And he went away, squandered his, his uh, living, and after the son returns home, the, after squandering all of the father's wealth, the father runs to him embraces him, forgives him, restores him to the place in the family. That's a picture of our Heavenly Father. And I don't know who's here today. I don't know where you stand spiritually, but I know this. It doesn't matter where you're at in the pigsty. It doesn't matter how far off you've gone. It doesn't matter that you've squandered the life that God has given you. Your Heavenly Father stands waiting, looking, and longing for you to return. It doesn't matter how many steps you've gone away. It only takes one to come back. And He'll meet you where you are. 
His desire is to extend compassion, mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And that needs to be a marking of us men. Willing to forgive one another. Willing to extend that compassion. That is a characteristic of a godly man. So in conclusion, this Father's Day, here's the message I want us to take home. This is the reminder from Scripture. Be a dad who's caring, who has character, who displays cooperation, who has commitment, commitment to the things of Christ, who has courage and compassion for the sake of the gospel and the cause of Christ. Men, if we'll be that kind of dad, we'll see a generation rise up and make a huge impact for the cause of Christ. There's still hope for America. There's still hope for the church. But it's found in Christ. Dad, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Can you truly say that God is your Heavenly Father? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're a dad here today and you do not know Christ, this is good news for you. God's willing to forgive you. Your Heavenly Father sent His only begotten Son so that you can be saved. Turn from your sin today. Cry out. Ask the Lord to forgive you. He promises whosoever shall call upon His name shall be saved. He won't cast you out. He'll draw you in. Turn to Him today. Dad, Mom, young person. Have you by faith received Christ? Have you by faith received Christ? That's the gift God the Father offers. To as many as receive Him, He says, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. So if we're here today and we believe in the name of Jesus Christ, He's our, the, God the Father, He's our Father, He's our Heavenly Father. And if so, then let your light shine. Display this fruit. Let this be part of what people see in our lives. Let's live this out. Let's make an impact in the world around us for the cause of Christ. Philippians 2.15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's the idea Paul has here in Philippians. That's the idea he has here in our midst today. So let's let our light shine. This Father's Day and every day, May we remember the love of the Father and have hope. Here's what we're told in 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. He's bestowed His love on us. That we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us. When these qualities we listen, these characteristics, that's foreign to them. That's, that's completely foreign. It's all about me. It's all about me in this world, right? That's, that's the world mantra. You got to get your own. You got to get ahead. It's about a, a bigger toys and, and, and more things. And That's not what God said. 
Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Do you have this hope in you today? If you're sitting here and you say you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there should be a purifying hope because we know there's a coming day when Christ will step into this world, into time. The clouds will split and we will see Him. Every eye one day will behold Him. That is a hope that we long for. And that is a motivating hope that should purify us in the, in the manifestation of these characteristics. Happy Father's Day. And I'd be remorse not to close this day with another dad joke. Let us pray. <laughs> Father, thank you. Thank you for your love that's been poured out. Oh, Father, I, I just, I thank you for my earthly dad. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the dads repre represented in this room. Uh, for their dads. Lord, whether we've had good dads, bad dads, bad experiences, no dad in our life, regardless of the circumstances, there are always teaching moments that are to draw us near to You, our Heavenly Dad, our Abba Father. And so, Lord, I pray that on this Father's Day, we'll look to You that we'll reflect on some of these godly characteristics, realizing we'll never do these in our own strength. It's impossible. But that if we'll just simply yield our heart and follow Christ, you desire to begin a good work in us, and you will complete it until the day of redemption. So let today just be a day where you just chip away at an area maybe you put your finger on in, in our own lives that we need to yield. We need to surrender. We need to give up. That the character of God might shine through. And Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you. In the name above all names. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And all of God's people said? Amen. Amen. Uh, no care groups tonight. Uh, it's Father's Day. Enjoy time with Dad. Also, don't forget, next week we will kick off our care groups in the evening. And so uh, if you're not sure what care group you're in, uh, you can check with myself or Allison. We'd be glad to let you know. I want you to be involved in those as the summer goes on. It's going to be a great time. And uh, anything else that needs to be announced, I think that's everything, right? With that, you're free to go. God bless.